Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm so glad that you're with us today, and I hope that you have been enjoying um, some of the past episodes that we've had. We've had a season of um, several weeks of testimonies, and I hope that those have been an encouragement to you as you've been listening to them. They are excellent, and I know that you will just be blessed and never think that any of your circumstances are impossible for God to change. None. Yeah, if you've not listened to them, I would definitely encourage you to go back. You can start at episode 153 and catch up, but some really powerful um, testimonies of people who have gone through some hard times in their life, and they've seen God really redeem what has happened to them. And we're going to talk about that today, is how we trust God in the hard times. Um, It goes along perfectly with our scripture journaling that we're doing this month. Our June scripture journaling is trusting God in the hard times. And if you've not jumped on board and done that with us yet, it's a great month to get in. Um, What we do is we just have a passage of scripture every day for every day of the month. And during your quiet time, you can just spend some extra time writing out that verse because it helps us to focus on it more. It helps us um, commit it to memory if it's one you want to commit to memory. And then you can take that um, passage for the day and decide if you want to go further. Do you want to read more from that chapter? Do you want to cross-reference it? Do you want to look up um, other verses that go along with it? Many things you can do, but it's just a good way to kind of slow down in your study of the Scripture and um, focus on topics. And so this month is trusting God in hard times. I prepared those scriptures when I started looking and studying for the scriptures to be chosen. It was such a blessing to me. And I want you to really understand that scripture journaling will increase your faith, your hope, your trust. It will be amazing. And it also will show you that other people throughout the Bible did not always have it easy. They had a lot of different trials and tribulations. If you want to join in with us on this scripture journaling, we'll leave a link in the show notes so you can click that and download that um, to do it. And even if it's not the month of June right now when you're listening to this, it's never too late to do it. So you can go back, print this out, and start it at any time, but it would be a great help to you Um, as you really focus on scriptures about going through hard times. So I'm really excited for you to do them. We really would love your comments. And if God speaks to you through one of the scriptures, especially, we'd love to have you share that with us so other people can also look those scriptures up also. Going through hard times is never enjoyable. When we are going through hardships or we go through pain, our instinct is that we want it to stop. You know, we don't leave our hand on the burner when we burn our hand. We want to pull our hand away and have that pain stop and have that hardship stop. Our family recently went through a hard time with an illness that our youngest daughter had, and she's had medical issues for her whole life, but, you know, seasons of things escalate. And this was one of those seasons of escalation. 
And we ended up in the hospital for almost three weeks. And while we were in the hospital, they have a family room that's on the top floor of the hospital. And so when she would be in a procedure or she would be off with the physical therapist, I would sometimes go up there and just to get a change of scenery, get out of her hospital room. And it was such a beautiful view because it's a room that has floor-to-ceiling windows, and it would just overlook miles and miles and miles of the city around me. And from that perspective, um, I could see the top of people's houses. I could see people that had roof damage on their house. And I wondered, you know, I wonder if they know they have all that debris up there. Or I wonder if they know that they have an area that pools water. Um, I could see cars and traffic and, you know, impending problems for people that are driving down the road and not realizing that in a few blocks they're going to be stuck in a traffic jam. I just had a vantage point that um, was so enjoyable for me to just sit up there and just look around at the world from so high up. But it just made me realize how limited our um, view of life really is. And the enemy wants us to really reflect on how limited our view is when we're in the middle of hardships. You know, we look at things at a one-dimensional level when they're right in front of us, and that's all we can see. I can only see this mountain in front of me. I can only see the hardship I'm facing today. We often lose hope that there's going to be a resolution coming, maybe tomorrow, maybe in three days, maybe in 30 days, maybe in 30 years. But we can get so stuck in that hardship. And just that time that I had looking at life from that vantage point was such a good reminder for me. It made me think about a book I was reading before we went in the hospital from Nikki Koziar's called Your New Now, Finding Strength and Wisdom When You Feel Stuck Where You Are. And she talks in this book about transitions. And transitions are the places that we're heading in life. So a transition may be a child going off to school. A transition may be the loss of a job or a death of a person. It may be a spouse that leaves or separation or divorce or a prodigal child who is coming and going. Um, Just those seasons that are out of our control and the places in life where we're trying to figure out how to get out of that transition. So what are some of the transitions that you've been through? When I was younger, I was sickly. And so we moved from Rochester, New York, and I was like five years old and moved to Tucson, Arizona and lived there for 10 years because I could breathe normally and be healthy and and uh, run around. And then my dad moved to California because he got an excellent job out there. And that was an area that had fog that we never thought would bother me. And of course, it took me right back to where I could not breathe again. So we lived there until um, my parents uh, realized that I was having trouble. And my grandparents moved to Florida. So I went to visit them, and I stayed here for one school semester as a sophomore. And all of a sudden, I said, this is where I want to live. I can breathe. And so from that moment on, you know, I didn't want to go back to California. I ended up having to graduate out there. But then we came, all the family came and moved to Florida. And that was a huge thing for me because I can remember 
I had felt in a trap being always sickly out there with the fog and so forth and with different other circumstances. But anyway, that was a begin. That really touched me because I was young and no young child like Ashley or anybody wants to be sickly. Right. So that's a hard, that was a season of transition and moving. Sometimes you have to move out of your will and desire. Sometimes it's forced upon you to move. And regardless of it, whether you're doing it willingly or unwillingly, that's always a season of transition. Also changing schools, you know, children changing schools, that's a season of transition. Um, job changes, those oh, are positively transitions. And then, and then when you end up having marriage problems like we did with Bob and I, there he was the one that was um, coming and going out of the house um, more frequently than normal. It's not normal for a husband to, or wife to leave for one day on an anger or to take a weekend off and say, I need to get away. So there's many different things that can bring about transition in life. And one of those is, like you said, when your spouse leaves and that transition is starting now, you're a single parent. Now you're trying to figure out where you fit in with your friends that were couples, you know, where do you fit in at church with um, the group of people that you used to hang out with? Do you still fit with them as a single person right now? Do you still fit with them while you're standing for restoration? Um, as a couple that's restored, that's a season of transition because you're going from two individuals that were living apart for a season now trying to get reconnected as a husband and wife and move forward in a new marriage, you know, a doing marriage different than you did the first time when it didn't work out. Um, so there's many different things in life that cause seasons of transition. One more that I would mention is that we hear about many of you that are going through teenage years with a child that may be tempted to go out and uh, live a wilder life or be exposed to drugs or pills, or anything, um, even at young age, 13, or whatever ages, they all are trying different things. And maybe your uh, child is battling that, or being tempted. Right, yeah, that's a transition time as well. If you've got, you know, hardships happening with children at home, those are seasons of transition. Well, in this book, um, I loved it. I, I've talked to Nikki's um, office about trying to get her on the podcast, and we're trying to work it out. We had an appointment scheduled, but because of everything we've been through recently, we had to postpone it. But we will definitely keep trying to get her on um, to come talk more in depth about this. We also want to offer our listeners um, a discount on this book by Nikki, You're New Now. So in the show notes, there's a link to purchase the book. And if you use the coupon code NOW20, N-O-W-2-0, you can save 20% off on that book. I know it will be a blessing to you as you read it. But one of the people she studies in depth in this book is Moses. And, you know, you think, or at least I thought, oh, I know Moses, you know, he was put in the Nile when he was a baby check, um, you know, saw the burning bush check, Ten Commandments check, led the people. 
But when you really study Moses, there's so much more to his life, and you can really see where he had seasons of transition, seasons of feeling like he's not qualified to do what God's called him to do, seasons of feeling like he's incapable for the task that's being asked of him, seasons of waiting on God. I mean, he had 40 years between all of his transitions. And, you know, I think I don't want to wait 40 minutes or 40 days for some of my prayers to be answered, much less 40 years. And so um, it's been so good to like really read more about him and his life. And Exodus, I don't know if it's a book you've been in recently, but I would just challenge you over the month of June to try to get into the book of Exodus and read it. There's like 40 chapters there. You can read a couple of chapters a day and get through it, but really just go back and reread um, all the things about God's faithfulness um, to the people of Israel, to Moses, um, and what he did in dealing with Pharaoh. It's just such a good reminder. Um, In this book, Nikki has a quote that says, when our reaction to transition becomes one of choosing to grow rather than needing to know, we become learners of life's greatest lessons. Let me say that again. When our reaction to transition becomes one of choosing to grow Rather than needing to know, we become learners of life's greatest lessons. And that statement could step on somebody's toes because you think when you're in a transition, well, I need to know why this is happening and I need to know when it's going to end. Right. right? But in reality, in in my life with with Bob and I and, and even before, it, you know, you do grow in each one of these circumstances that we are all presented. And we can grow in in the way that the Lord wants us to say, seek him, turn to him, cry out to him, talk to him, instead of being grumbling and complaining and muttering. When will this end? How long will this last? Why do I have to go through this? Have you forgotten me? Why me, God? Why right. me? Why me? And and what I am saying to you, if you could stop that and say, Lord, what are you wanting me to learn? What are you wanting me? Uh, what are you teaching me? What What is my assignment even? You know? Oh, positively. What is my assignment? Are you wanting to change me? Are you these trials and tribulations or circumstances you're going through? may end up being where you are going to be helping other people or doing something that God changes your focus on things, that he gives you an assignment that you may do it off hours and on weekends or evenings, or you may turn into a full-time position, but you can be used mightily by the Lord. The Lord wants us as believers to share hope and encouragement to others and if we don't share victories, our trials, and then our victories, then we aren't sharing the power of God. Right. Our pastor just said Sunday that our habit can often be to pick up the Bible and to say, okay, show me, God. Show me what you're going to do. Show me how you're going to fix this for me. Show me how you know this is going to help me. And that shouldn't be our attitude at all. Our attitude should be that we want to pick up the Bible and say, how can I be more like Christ by reading this book, by getting into this book, by understanding it? 
And when we go through transitions, when we go through hardship, that's often when we become more like Christ because it changes our perspective. Um, you know, going back to Moses, he was a person that was given an assignment. And in um, Exodus chapter 3, you know, God shows him the burning bush and God's calling him to a task. In verse 10, it says, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And you might have had that same type of conversation with God. Who am I to stand for my marriage? Who am I to pray for my husband or wife? Who am I to intercede for somebody that needs healing? Who am I to mother this special needs child? Who am I to be this business owner? You know, Whatever it is that God's called you to do, you might feel like you've asked God that who am I question. And in verse 12, God says, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that is I who have sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And that's so important for us to always remember that God, just as he was with Moses, is always with us. When you start a day, and and I hope you start it with the Lord, um, and knowledge him and talk throughout your day about where did I lose this special paper I need in the office or anything? Bring him into your life daily throughout the day. Don't just have him be the one you talk to in prayer morning and night. Right. He is He is with you always, just as he said to Moses. Um, you know, he had a big task for Moses, and he felt very unqualified for that job that, that God was calling him to do. And even in um, chapter 4, Moses is saying to God, you know, I, I can't do what you've asked me to do because I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. And Moses even says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And can you imagine? I'm sure that you've had seasons where you've been like, okay, God, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not strong enough for this. I need you to ask someone else to do this. And that may be standing for marriage restoration. You know, it might be being that person that's going to stand up for an injustice that's happening today. And if God has brought you to this point and he's asking you to do this, then he will equip you. Just as he did with Moses, he equipped him and he used his brother Aaron to help him, but he equipped him. And just as he said in chapter three, I will be with you. We can always trust that he'll be with us. And imagine that statement and believing it every day, every hour, regardless of what circumstances you're going through, that you can talk to him and he will turn, tell you, turn to the right, turn to the left, or be still. Know that I am God. And that is the point. When Bob left, I, I, was, I was very angry at him, and God had to get my attention and speak to me after I divorced Bob and say, okay, you did it in your way now, Charlene. Now I would like you to start praying for marriage restoration. And I was stunned because I, I had 19 years of marriage problems, and I thought, you want me to do what? You know, I, I gave it my shot. I really tried, Lord. And um, 
But it transformed my heart and life when the Lord spoke to me at the altar at my church. And I will never forget it. And then he continued speaking to me and directing my steps. That was a transition. (laughs) And was a transition that I'll never forget. And you need to do that also. Um, Job, if you've read through Job before, you know the story of Job and the hardship that he faced and the transition he faced when he was um, tested by God. And Job 42.2 says, I know that you can do all things, and I know that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And that's a great verse to put in your phone, to be reminded of, to memorize, to post it around your house. Um God's purpose is going to be fulfilled. It cannot be stopped. Amen. And and you can't get stuck thinking the hardship you're facing today is derailing God's purpose. Or how long it may take. Right. The time, God, you read the Bible, time is nothing to God. Right. Time is, I've got a plan and a purpose, and we're going to do it my way, and God's in charge. And who else do you want in charge of your life but the Lord? Yeah. Isaiah 55, 8, a verse you probably know. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Powerful scripture. Yeah. It's what we see with our human eyes is like the the view I have from the street compared to the view I had at the top floor of the hospital. What we see with our human eyes is very limited. Um, Even going back into Moses's life, when he was tasked with leading the people out of Egypt, it did not just happen. It did It did not just, he went, he got his people, and he left. That's not the way it happened. In fact, it took many, many years, and it took a difficult journey. And um, I was reading this morning, even in Exodus 13, Exodus 13, verse 17 says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. There was a shortcut to get to freedom. And God said, we're not taking the shortcut. We're going the long way. But going back to what he said in chapter 3, I will be with you. And whatever transition you're in today that you're facing, God may be leading you through that long path to healing, to restoration, to fulfillment, to answered prayers, to whatever it is you're praying for. And he might be saying, hey, we're going to take the long path, but I'm going to be with you this whole time. I think the one question that I would suggest you ask yourself is that are you growing in the Lord? Are you changing your uh, habits to growing and learning the Bible more and learning all the different Bible stories there are in the Bible and and soaking up and being more like what He wants us to be than by um, just, just thinking, I want my marriage restored. Now, yeah, like like that quote I said, we need to choose to grow rather than need to know, because you want to be different mm-hmm. than your when your spouse comes, they're not going to want to come back home because they remember the the old lifestyle. Because of all the things the Lord is doing in you, they from the outside will look at you and see you as a different person, 
and actually wonder what happened to you. And right. They, That's that growth in Christ through exactly. your transition, through your hardship. And you're going to be stronger as you grow in the Lord to help your teenagers, your young children, or family members, and, and be a lighthouse to, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is hope for hardship. You know, it's not, like I said in the beginning, it's not something we want to face, but we can just be reminded, just as God was with Moses, God was with Job, God will be with you, and he will carry you through it, and he can use it for his glory and for your good. And so when you're facing hardship, you can ask God, how can you get glorified through this? How can you change me to be more like you through this hardship Positively. instead of the whining and complaining that we do, that the Israelites did, that that we can be guilty of. And that's what you need to do is say, how am I talking to the Lord and, and what am I saying to him? Are you mostly complaining to the Lord or are you seeking him and asking him, what are you trying to want me to do? What What is your purpose for my life right now? Right, and he'll he'll show us he's faithful, and it might not be tomorrow that he answers that. Positively. It, it might be two years, might be 40 days, might be 40 years. <laughs> and the question is, is will, are you willing to wait? If you really trust that God has your best interest at hand, are you willing to wait on him, or are you going to give up God's best because of your impatience? Amen. That's that's the question. So may we encourage you is go and start reading through Exodus and see what the Lord is going to show you and reveal to you and let us know what's happening. Yes. He will grow you in this season, whatever the season is. And maybe you're not in a season of transition or a season of hardship right now. I heard somebody say once you're either going through one, coming out of one, or getting ready to go into one, meaning a season of hardship. And so maybe you are not in one right now, but you know, it's it's coming. We live in a sinful world and hardship is coming. And there's nothing like being prepared to face it by just arming yourself. You know, we talk about Ephesians, um, putting on the armor of God and being prepared for the battle because the enemy wants to see you fail. He wants to see you give up on God, and we can go into the hardships knowing that God's in control and that He will provide, as He said in Exodus 3, I will be with you. He will provide resources, people, places, things, encouragement, ministries. You know, He provided Rejoice Marriage Ministries for a season of your life. He provided maybe a friend, a prayer partner. And maybe he hasn't provided that for you yet, but that's your prayer, and he hears it. So you can continue to ask him what you need. Lord, I need a prayer partner. I need a good friend. I need a job. Whatever it is you need, God's faithful and can provide that. Amen. Very excellent. Never doubt the power of God in your life. Right. Don't settle for crumbs. Seek the Lord and grow. I want to just as we close read a prayer that Nikki has written in the um, one of the chapters of this book, and we just want to pray this over you today. God, thank you for this person that's on the other side of these words. Thank you that you love them and that you have not given up on them. 
And while your name is enough to confirm their assignments, God, sometimes we need an Aaron in our life. So Lord, I believe that person is on their way to meet this listener. Help my friend listening to this be open to whoever you might send their way and to trust that person. Thanks for not giving up on us, and thanks for meeting us on the edges of life just in time. Amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.